This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good morning. Welcome to Axios today. It's Monday, April 18th. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's what you need to know today. The Pope pleads for peace on what he called an Easter of war, plus the latest from Ukraine. But first, why it's so hard to crack down on the latest form of spam. That's today's one big thing. If you feel like you've been inundated with spam texts lately, you are not alone. According to new data from RoboKiller, that's an app that blocks spam calls and texts, Americans received an average of 42 spam text messages each person just in the month of March. I heard from dozens of you in more than 20 states about the kind of spam you've been getting. Clancy from Boise, Idaho, told me many of the texts he's getting seem to be written by, quote, a robot that doesn't know what it's doing. I asked Axios's tech and policy reporter, Margaret Harding-McGill, to tell us what's going on with these spam messages. Hey, Margaret. Hey, thank you for having me. Margaret, a few people who texted me were worried that this was related to a potential cyber attack, especially given Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Do we know why we're seeing more of these texts lately? I mean, some of them could be tied to a cyber attack. I don't know that for sure. It's safe to say more broadly that spammers and scammers go to where they can reach people. And for a long time, that was calling people on the phone. People don't answer their phones anymore, in part because of scammers and spammers calling. So sending a text is actually a much easier way to reach people. And according to RoboKiller, spam texts are now outnumbering spam phone calls. Another thing I heard from listeners was worry that if you're getting these messages, it means your data is out there for just anyone to use? Well, I think what happens is that it's extremely easy to deploy these spam texts in a huge amount of volume. And there are actors all over the world trying to squeeze spam into the phone networks from, as the FTC told me, an almost infinite number of entry points all the time. So I don't think people should really like blame themselves too much for this because there are people who are just blasting out spam texts nonstop trying to, you know, get the margins of somebody who will actually click that link or give up some personal information. Now, that being said... We also give up our personal information all the time. I mean, how many times have you just handed over your phone number when you're checking out at a store to get some kind of discount? So there, I'm sure that there is some of that too, but really like there are so many people trying to send out these spam texts that I think it's almost unfortunately un- unavoidable. Who are these people? I mean, that is a great question. A lot of this originates overseas, and so it's really hard to pinpoint where they're coming from and even harder to bring enforcement action against them. There have been some federal enforcement against us, particularly on um, people doing robocalls. But I know from the Federal Communications Commission, even when they identify a robocaller and charge them and issue a penalty, they can't even always collect that penalty the person might not be able to pay it, or even the Justice Department might not bring the case against them to collect the money. So it's really, I know this is 
pretty depressing, but it's really hard to enforce against, too. That was what I was going to also ask you. Like, we had a listener who said, I'm on the do not call list. Does that make a difference? I think it does in terms of, like, if you get a call and you report it, you can say, look, I'm on this list. I'm not supposed to be called. But for the agencies to actually track down all those numbers and police against that, I think is a pretty tall order. Now, I will say that on the robocall standpoint, the Federal Communications Commission and wireless carriers are implementing this call authentication technology to make sure that calls are coming from who they say they are. But the agency is playing catch up on spam text messages. Uh, Chairwoman Rosenworcel, the head of the agency, circulated a proposal that would craft rules to require wireless companies to block illegal text messaging. And she did that back in October, but her plan has not yet been voted on by the agency. And even once it is, it'll face a lengthy process before those proposed rules become final rules. And are those, is that accurate? Though, because you, when you get like, for example, it says it might be a spam call on your phone. That's not always been accurate for me. No, it hasn't always been accurate for me either. I got a scam likely notification when I was getting calls from the White House. So you can't always trust those either. I would just like to say I got them from uh, calls that came out of the White House in both the Trump and Biden administrations, so at least they are nonpartisan. Margaret Harding McGill covers tech policy for Axios. You can look out for the story that she did on this also on our site, and we'll include it in our show notes as well. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you. In a moment, the latest in the Ukraine war. Welcome back to Exios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. On Easter Sunday in Vatican City, Pope Francis addressed the in-person crowds at St. Peter's Square yesterday for the first time in two years and called for peace in Ukraine. Our eyes, too, are incredulous on this Easter of war. We've seen all too much blood, all too much violence. The day before, the Pope met with the mayor of Meliotopol, Ivan Fedorov, and three other Ukrainian lawmakers before Easter Mass. As Russian forces push into the already devastated city of Mariupol, the western city of Lviv became a target. Five missiles struck the city early Monday morning. The attacks killed at least six people. Axios' Zach Basu is here now with the latest. Zach, have we seen attacks this far west? So we did see uh, an early bombing of Lviv uh, about the first week or two of the conflict, but really most of the fighting has been concentrated in the east. The reason Lviv is is so important and so different is that that's, that's where a lot of the western embassies relocated and when Kyiv was under threat. And it's also a city very close to the Polish border. So just on a symbolic level, uh, it's quite threatening and, and a different level and not something that we really expected given that Russia had really been refocusing their efforts on the east. One of the questions we asked you last week and we're still asking is, on the other side of the country, who's controlling Mariupol right now? Right. So on the other side of the country, basically the distance from Chicago to D.C., that's, if that's how you want to think of Lviv to Mariupol, Russian forces are basically in control of Mariupol. The last remaining Ukrainian troops are bunkered down in this massive steel plant Russia had given those troops a deadline of Sunday morning to surrender or be eliminated, but the Ukrainians have ignored it and pledged to keep fighting on until the very end. President Zelensky has said that if Russia kills those troops, it would be the end of any peace negotiations. 
So the next few days will again be, be very critical for the trajectory of the war. We've also seen even more alarming reports of more than 900 civilian bodies being found. They appear to have been simply executed in the region surrounding Kiev following their withdrawal of Russian forces from there. Have we heard of numbers as high before in terms of body counts being found? I mean, these are definitely the highest death tolls in areas that have been liberated from Russian occupation, where we've seen some of the, the worst atrocities, like in Bucha, of course. And authorities are continuing to dig up mass graves, so there's there's really no doubt that these figures will continue to climb. Uh, the thing is, there are also cities like Mariupol that are fully encircled by Russian troops, and there's just simply no way of knowing how bad the situation there is. Mariupol's mayor has estimated that over 21,000 civilians have died. There are 100,000 people who are still believed to be trapped in the city. And, you know, if Russia does succeed in taking control, uh, it's possible we may never know the the full scale of the death toll there. Axios hmm. is Zach Basu. Thanks, Zach. Thank you. One last thing for your Monday. COVID cases are rising again in the U.S., especially in the Northeast, as the BA2 variant spreads. Many experts are calling for the reinstatement of mask and vaccine mandates as a result. So I had a question for you. Are you still wearing a mask at indoor gatherings or stores? What's the COVID situation in your town? If you could text me a voice memo at 202-918-4893, please include your name and location. And we'll have more on the state of COVID in the U.S. later this week. That's all for us today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. On the Against the Rules podcast, bestselling author Michael Lewis takes a hard look at what's happened to fairness in American life. He's explored referees and coaches, and now he's tackling a new group, experts. Michael asks, why is a country that's so good at creating experts so bad at taking their advice? He'll dive to the depths of the sea, swing by the playing field, and venture onto the stock market floor to leave you thinking differently about the experts in our society. Listen to Against the Rules wherever you get your podcasts.